Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. There are not one but two stories today that are just one of those, or in this case, two of those situations where I, I just, wait, what? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? And I don't react that way to a lot of things, I'll be honest. I mean, it, 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 it takes a certain level or a certain degree of news or development or revelation to get me to do the, wait, wait, what? Are you saying that what? And as Eric who's still hanging out with us for just a second, a couple moments here in the breaking news center. This story of what is alleged to have been the details behind that Milwaukee Burger King robbery that led to the the shooting and the death of Naisha Harris uh, Brazell. Wow, she was in on it, according to the complaint. Eric, this is... <laughs> you you forwarded us from the newsroom. You forwarded us the criminal complaint, and you you just wrote something like claims that it was an inside job. And I'm telling you, when you read it, do you know what I thought when when I read it? This 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 popped into my mind. This sounds yeah. like a Law and Order. Right, you're right. Let's you're right. Can, okay. can we just walk through this yes. for just a second okay. because I don't know if people realize how amazing the uh, the criminal complaint is. So for those who don't recall, this was early on in the New Year's, January 2nd, near 51st and Capitol Drive. There was a shooting death of a 16-year-old cashier at the Burger King there. Her name, Naisha harris Brazel. She was shot because she was caught in the crossfire. A co-worker, Derek Ellis, fired at an armed robbery suspect who had climbed into the restaurant through the drive-thru. He hit her. Instead, she was killed. The armed robbery suspect took off, drove off, and Ellis also took off because he's a felon. He wasn't supposed to have a gun. He was armed at work, so he took off running, too. They're still looking for him. So there were charges filed against him. Now we know what's really going on here. Antoine Edwards, the father of one of the co-workers right. of Naisha Ellis, uh, I'm sorry, Naisha Harris Brazel. So right. his name is Antoine Edwards. He, along with his daughter, who works at the Burger King, right. along with Harris Brazel, the three of them staged the armed robbery. Right. right. So there, there are three individuals that, according to the complaint, organize this. You have the two employees. You have Miss Brazel. You have her friend. And you have the friend's dad. Mm -hmm. And the dad was the one that was in the car, right? The dad was yes. the one that, okay, now this is me paraphrasing here, but I will be the one that robs. And then you two will be working at the time. And it just so happens that she, as you said, got caught in the crossfire. And then the third employee, the fourth person in this story, he's the one that's trying to protect mm -hmm. his two colleagues who he doesn't know is in on it. Right. And that's when she gets hit by his shot 
in the crossfire as he is aiming towards the dad who is acting as the robber. So they knew. Wow. Yeah, they they knew that uh, Naisha would work the the drive through. That was generally where she was. So they knew that if he went around there, he could make the demand. You know, be armed, make the demand, and she would give him the money. The first time he came around, he came on late at night. It was after the store had closed because they knew the cashier. Again, this is all right. according to the criminal complaint. Right. Uh, they knew that the cashier would have money in it, would would be full at that point. He came around the first time, and a different worker was kind of standing there and said, no, nah, we're closed, and mm-hmm. waved him off. So then he drove back around a second time and uh, knocked on it and was able to get her attention. She knew that he was going to be coming, so she was there, according to the complaint. And that's where it started. So then uh, there was actually a wonder. Uh, the Her friend actually now surmises that maybe someone froze, that maybe Harris Brazel got nervous and wasn't sure what to do, and that's why he climbed in to help make this happen. Uh, and then thus wow. you had Ellis take his gun out and fire, striking the 16-year-old. Yeah, there, there was a mention in the criminal complaint that uh, Harris Brazel maybe was not anticipating there to be a gun. Yeah, he, or he was that the gun, you're right. He, he, he was not... He's climbing through the window. He's got a gun. This isn't what we talked about. This is more than I was expecting. This is not what I was planning. Or just the fact that there's a gun mere feet away from you. You tend to panic. You freak out. Mm-hmm. And and wow. I don't know. Maybe I'm the only one having this reaction today. But I just... <laughs> Boy, it, it was it, it's incredible, well, especially because we've seen so much about this. We've heard. And by the way, uh, one of the family members, of course, is telling the Journal Sentinel this morning that they find this to be BS is the, the term they use. They they do not believe that uh, Naisha was involved in this. But we did see multiple. What would you call them? Vigils and whatnot that were taking place because of this. Now, I'm curious. What we don't know yet is the name of the 16 year old friend. Mm-hmm. I do know that there were other friends of hers or at least one friend of her that did speak to the media shortly after this all happened. I'm curious if we can figure out if it's the same girl that was ended up being related to Antoine Edwards. Just tragic. The whole thing, tragic all the way around. Well, and I think in all reality, there are probably people who are learning of this in the community, in this city, maybe among those listening right now to these details, that... You know, their heart broke for the situation, and to find out later on that Harris Brazel, according to the complaint, was in on it, they may feel as if they themselves, by their grief, was were taken by the situation. I mean, yeah, a life was lost, and that, that, that can't be, you know, just glazed over, but knowing that the life that was lost was in on the robbery... I'm sorry, it takes away a certain degree of grief from me, and I think a lot of people. <laughs> I mean, well, Edwards uh, is facing several charges because of this, including felony murder, so he is the father. Um, so felony murder, intentionally contributing to the delinquency of a child uh, with death as a consequence, that's another felony. So he faces uh, several counts because of all of this he, he is the one that put this together he is the one that's going to take the the main responsibility for this meanwhile they're still looking for ellis the uh the co-worker who was trying to save the day and took off running because he was a felon oh they haven't found him the, mm-hmm. the guy who actually fired the gun right wow i'm telling you i'm telling you that's what it reminds me of 
that's what it reminds me of. That's remarkable stuff. But I, I do think there are people out there that either they attended the vigil, and I'm talking about maybe at the ancillary levels, not close friends of Harris Brazels or people who knew her and certainly the relatives who are going to be grief-stricken regardless of the details as they've come out. But people maybe on the fringes, maybe who donated. And the lesson in this would be what? What would be the lesson in this? The lesson in this would be if you're going to... As the criminal, and I, we keep using that as a caveat because we'll see as the allegedly right, right, okay. right as the criminal complaint lays out, if you are going to be part of a conspiracy, of a robbery, and the robbery goes wrong and a gun is drawn, you there is the possibility that more bad things and dare yeah. I say deadly developments could unfold from that i just would remind people i mean she she was a 16 year old girl she was just a kid (laughs) true she was 16 if this proves to be true however at some point there are potential consequences i I appreciate you hanging out and just walking and talking us through that because I know it's going to be in our newscast probably throughout the day, mm-hmm. the rest of the day, and people are seeing the headline, and they're putting two two together, and I think that's one of the ones where you got to walk through and understand all the players in this one, which is a crazy development. I appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Sure. Eric Bilstead from the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Um, no, you're right. You're right. Texter says Mary from Brookfield, uh, but she is still a child. She is still a child. And that father put this together. We will see. It, it's just, it's a, it's sad. I think that would be an accurate statement to make. It is sad all the way around, regardless of blame and fault and what went wrong and how, you know, the community feels afterward upon learning some of these details. It's sad. I think that would be a pretty accurate way of putting it. Uh, Chris in Wauwatosa. Hello, Chris. Hey, Scott, how's it going? Pretty crazy story, isn't it? Wow. Remarkable. I mean, I definitely was not expecting that. Um, I I know that you had mentioned that it kind of takes away from the grief um, that she was in on it. Um, And my wife actually brought this up that, you know, she's a 16-year-old girl, and she's pretty highly influenced by those around her, especially if her father was involved. Um, and I just want to, you know, I feel bad for her because she probably didn't know the full consequences of what could have happened. Yes, I understand the point you're making. And, and, and you're not alone, Chris. There are several people on the um, on the text line who are saying that, too. You know, the younger you are, the more easier you are manipulated. If that is indeed, you know, what happened behind the scenes here. Um, but... I have a responsibility, I think, to to tell you, and not just you, Chris, but tell everybody how I feel. And right now, Uh my level of grief in this story for her is not what it was mm, three hours ago before we learned this. It's not. Does that speak towards my character? Maybe. Maybe. But I appreciate the call, Chris. Thanks thanks for your perspective. Um, If I'm going to be flat out honest with all of you, and if I ever lie when I'm hosting... Or I'm ever in in a in a deceiving type mode, then I gotta quit. And you should turn off the radio and never listen to me. But right now, learning this, yes, she's sixteen, I realize that. Yes, I understand and realize that 
She could have been manipulated into this situation. But do I feel the degree of sorrow or grief or just sadness, probably? Is this, yes, sad, but to the degree I had three hours ago, I'm sorry I don't. I don't. I don't. Maybe I shouldn't apologize for that. That's just the truth. California dream. Every time you go out on the field, you got to be your best. And if you're not your best, you leave the possibility to get beat. The road to Super Bowl 56 goes through Green Bay. Throws right side, making the catch for Every playoff game right here. we got to play complimentary football all the way around, but I like the vibe of this team. I'm a home of the Packers. WTMJ. Now, about your house. Eric Brown is the president of Siding Unlimited, your contractor for new windows, roofing, siding, decks, and a whole lot more. He knows about your house. So what do you know, Eric? Doors are the focal point to the front of your home, the entrance to your home and your lifestyle. While we talk so much about windows, siding, and roofing, which are very important components to your home's protection, we sometimes forget how important the role your doors play in function, aesthetics, and security. What we find is the older, the uglier the door, the more it leaks and causes frustration. A well-insulated, well-sealed, easy-to-open-and-close door with an amazing style will place that pride back in your home like the day you bought it. While older or cheaper doors may have leaky cracks and seals falling out, new entry doors come installed with a new frame, heavier weather stripping, an adjustable threshold, durable hinges, insulated door slabs with reinforced door edge for maximum security, and so many decorative options to make the door look amazing. Not to mention impact shield laminated glass for greater security. Imagine how much a change in color can draw an eye. How about beautiful decorative glass? Picture your home at night with the light illuminating through a gorgeous front door. How nice would it be to be able to open and close with ease and to stand next to your door and feel comfortable and safe? Yes, it can be done. As small of a project replacing your doors can be, it is a project that we hear so much how homeowners absolutely love their stunning new entry door. Eric and his crews at Siding Unlimited are your go-to contractor here for replacement doors and windows and roofing decks and, of course, siding. Take the next step. Check them out at SidingUnlimited.com. Siding Unlimited. Siding and a whole lot more. Just for clarification's sake, especially for some of you who are texting in. The father, the driver, the adult, would you say? The, uh, <laughs> the, the adult with the two younger kids who worked at Burger King. He's the father of the, the surviving employee. He's not the dad of the young lady who died. So in terms of the manipulation, I'm not saying there wasn't manipulation, but Harris Brazel wasn't his daughter i think some people are 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 confusing that on the text line look i'll throw this open here i didn't give out the number um but 855-616-1620 i didn't throw it out before the break acunet mortgage talk and text line 855-616-1620 upon hearing this does this at all change your reaction to the story does this at all change your degree of sympathy grief sadness whatever 
there still is sadness, obviously. Anytime you lose a life, there is a degree of sadness. I think there, and the texture pointed out, there is some sympathy to those who are left behind, who are now grief-stricken. But, and I'm going to read a text here. Who is it? Uh, was it Jeff? Yeah, Jeff in West Allis. I made a donation to the family of the 16-year-old girl, and after hearing these developments, I'm regretting having done that. Hmm. Yeah. And, and, and while some are maybe apt to say, eh, at 16, you could be manipulated, you're young, there are also those of you who are saying, she's 16. You know consequences if you're planning to be part of a robbery. And I would agree with that. You are planning a robbery, 16 or not. You are in a conspiracy to rob your place of employment. And things went wrong, deadly, deadly wrong. And maybe I'm just not a caring person. Maybe, Scott, you are just cold. You are hardened by the job and by the news and by the the violence that we see in this city. How can you not? (laughs) I'm not. I'm not. It's it. You know what it actually does? Kind of ticks me off is what it does, because there you know watching the coverage over the last ten days or so, whatever's been two weeks, watching the coverage and the vigils that were had, and yes, a life was lost. So there is still that emotional grieving process that goes on. I would love to hear, like Jeff and West Allis, who donated to the family, it must have been a GoFundMe page or something like that. Did you donate? Hmm? Did you? Did you perhaps, in some way, shape, or form, see that story and your your heart broke? You saw her picture, you realized what happened, and now, do you feel the same? Do you feel differently? If you do feel differently, let me just tell you right now, it's okay. It's all right to be ticked off, to be upset, deceived maybe. Would that be an accurate term? As the details come out, and as Eric mentioned, uh, I think it's the grandmother of um, Harris Brazel regarding these allegations that she was in on the robbery says, uh, that's complete and utter BS. In all actuality, my granddaughter did not have to work. She had a grandmother that worked, a mother that worked, five aunties and one uncle that worked. My granddaughter did not have to do anything but save what she needed or what she wanted. We were trying to instill values in her. That's what the grandmother says. Who would certainly, certainly, certainly um, understandable to be grief-stricken. Yeah, this is not a situation to make excuses. This is a, You know what this is? And I'm not a parent. I don't have kids. But you talk teachable moment. You talk about an opportunity to say, here was, if the criminal complaint and everything is, is proven true in the end, this again is the what has been filed. In the end, you talk about an opportunity to take a situation and show it to other 16-year-olds or younger or hell older and say, you talk about consequences, you talk about a plan to break the law 
and what could come of it in the absolute worst possible way, in the saddest, most tragic way. That's what you do. That's what you do with this. You want to use this in some opportunity to 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 make good or or or, or to to take something that is sad and turn it around and and gain something from it. Use that. Use that teachable moment. My God, we hear that phrase all the time, overused. But in this case, appropriately so. Like I say, it's okay to be sad to feel some degree of sadness, but to the degree that we were feeling three and a half, four hours ago before we learned these developments, no way, no how. Teachable moment, absolutely. We'll continue with more after this. Scott Warris in for Jeff on WTMJ. All right, I think I'm good now. Oof. That is only one of two stories... Today, the other one you may not have heard of yet, uh, but that is only one of two stories today that made me see the and a headline and I went, wait a minute, wait, what? what? Say that again? Yeah, we'll get to the other story in just a couple of minutes. In for Jeff Wagner, I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but speaking of headlines, <laughs> I just got a press release from the Democratic Party of Wisconsin <laughs> and the headline. You know, it's it's an election year. You talk about silly, silly headlines that grab your attention and make you go, wait, what? And this wasn't even one of them on my list. But it's laughable. You can hear it in my voice. I'll share it with you in two minutes. All right, you ready for the headline? <laughs> State... Democratic Party here, state of Wisconsin. Headline! This is like something out of The Onion or a parody. Ron Johnson voted for kids to drink lead. <laughs> That's what it says. That's what it says. As if there was a, as if there was an up or down vote, a yes or no vote in the U.S. in the U.S. Senate. All in favor of, I know this is not how they vote, but all in favor of Children drinking lead signified by saying aye. Aye! Senator Johnson, your aye is registered. All opposed. <laughs> oh, it's that time again. In two, here's the statement. In 2021, Ron Johnson cemented himself as the anti-clean water candidate. After voting against the bipartisan infrastructure law, Despite Johnson's best efforts to oppose this historic investment in Wisconsin's future, President Biden, Democrats in Congress succeeded in securing clean water funding for the state. State uh, Democratic Party, Wisconsin, Rapid Response Director, whatever her name is, says, It seems pretty simple. Children drinking lead is bad. Unfortunately, clean drinking water for Wisconsin's children doesn't fit in Ron Johnson's self-serving agenda. Oh, yeah. It's that time again, Greg. It's that time again. It's the silly season. Silly season is just ramping up, Pancake. Anti-political ads? Yeah, we, you and I had anti- Yes, we... But this, isn't that... Ron Johnson voted for kids to drink lead. He wants more lead in your children's waters. What? But that's... 
the age in which we live. That's the year. Uh, Ron Johnson's ready. He wants to run again. Okay. He knows what he's getting into. This is not the first. This isn't his first rodeo. This is his third rodeo, actually. Even though he said he'd only have two rodeos. Now he's having a third. Is Ron Johnson now a career politician, by the way? I just hope. That's one of my political pet peeves. I just hope that he doesn't play the I'm a maverick card. I'm I'm not a career politician card. You you can't anymore. Now you're saying, well, Scott, at what point are you a career politician? When does that needle flip from not a career politician to a career politician? And I don't know what the answer is. I, I, I don't. You know, Scott Walker was was um, accused of being a career politician when he ran for any number of re-elections. Um, can we now accuse Ron Johnson of being a career politician in, in, in a negative sense? I don't know. I don't know what the tipping point is on that. I'm not sure. Once you... Is it one term? Two terms? Does it depend on the number of years? There are all those hot-button political phrases and labels, right, and terms. And that's always one of them that makes me laugh. Or like I say, it's one of my pet peeves when somebody is labeled a career politician or somebody who has been reelected more than once says they're not a career politician. What would you say? What makes somebody a career politician? Greg, I'll just ask you. Like what just just what, what's what's the number? What's the is it a, is it a, a year total? Is it a is is it a matter of how many elections you've won? At what point do you go from being a non-career politician to career politician? What do you think? I'm wondering the way I'm thinking about it is if you search for another position in office. Like maybe you lose the seat that you have and you go into another one or you run for it again. Oh, so you no. come back see, around. See that that is that that only amplifies as a career politician. Because if you lose your seat, if like like if you get voted out of office and you now want another seat somewhere else, now you are looking to make that a career for yourself. Um so I, I think in that case you're doubling down on being a career politician. Let me just throw this open right now. Maybe this would be good. Maybe we can set this as a litmus test this year. We can do this. This is good. We're in the middle of January. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Help me and let's help each other. Because the phrase career politician is going to be thrown around a lot. It'll be thrown around in the mayoral races, Senate races, gubernatorial races. Is Tony Evers a career politician? I mean, he ran for superintendent. That's an elected position. Um, he's run once for governor. He'll run again for re-election. Is that a career politician? What, in your mind, constitutes a career politician? What puts a person in that classification? Somebody says on the text line, three terms. Hmm. Let's see. Um, 
I think I think some Jeff says I think he is a career politician, but careers can always be changed. Yes, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Um, hmm. I, I don't know. I think I will set it up as multiple terms. If you run a second time, if you serve, sorry, if you serve a second term, however long the term may be, now you're going to say, well, what if you're a representative? What if you're just a congressperson, congressman, congresswoman? Does that still, does that still validate or does that, that still qualify as a career politician if I only served two years? Two years and out? No. Hmm. 920 texter. Um, he became a career politician, Ron Johnson, when he went back on his promise because we need him and I lean right. I don't mean to just focus on Ron Johnson, but that's how we got into this, stumbled onto this really, because of this stupid Democratic Party accusation. And then I thought, well, career politician. Scott is in South Milwaukee. Hey, Scott. Hi, good good afternoon. Um, here's my take. Right? Yeah. Scott Walker, his entire professional career was running and serving whatever an elected office, whether or not him being a, an assembly person mm-hmm. for Wauwatosa, mm-hmm. county executive of Milwaukee County, governor of the state of Wisconsin, candidate for U.S. president. Once he left the governorship, whatever he is now, whatever, running a political action committee. So Scott Walker would be classified now as a as a professional full-time politician because Scott Walker has never done anything in the private sector. The the last candidate who ran against Tammy Baldwin, the GOP candidate, she was a nurse for 10 to 15 years. Leah gave, that, gave that up. She became, yeah, Leah Buchner. She became a school board activist. Yeah. Then she became an assembly person, then right. a state senator. Mm-hmm. Then she ran for whatever U.S. Senate. She, got, she lost that election. Mm-hmm. And now she's running a political action committee. All right, whatever. And Leah Vukmir, during her campaign against Danny Baldwin, yeah. criticized her for being a, a, a professional politician when she was the same thing. And she continued. So what I would say is that somebody like Leah Vukmir is that if she truly was a citizen politician, when she lost her election for, to become U.S. senator, she should have returned whatever to being a nurse. And not, and not go on the way of running for a political action committee, because that's all that she knows how to do is run is politics mm. now. And she could not. She could not yeah. step back, step back in, in, into the professional workforce and hold a new job because she probably has no skills at it. I don't know. I, I don't know if I. <laughs> that seems a bit harsh. That part. I, I don't. I don't know her enough to say she has no skills to do other things. Um, I, I can't go that far. I think that's unfounded. Citizen politician. That's another hot button term. That's another title that gets thrown around a lot. Citizen politician. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> what is a citizen politician? You can't be a politician unless you're a citizen, because you need one to have the other. Citizen politician is just a it's just a term that makes you feel like he he, he or she, eh, they're one of us. Oh, look at that. Look at look at Greg Hill. He's running. He he calls himself a citizen politician. It's it's like I am running because Greg is running. He is one of me. He is one of us. That's I don't even know what that means, citizen politician. Hmm. I don't know. Sorry, tangent here. 
I, I was. They, they, I know there are people going. Wait, what? What are you talking about? Just, I think we can all agree: don't drink lead. <laughs> I'm writing. I'm going to start a list. I really am physically writing. I'm putting citizen politician. I'm putting career politician. These are all on my political pet peeve list in terms of terminology. Political terminology that just doesn't mean anything. It sounds good when spoken on the stump. But in reality, what the heck is a citizen politician? In reality, it doesn't take long for those non-career politicians to become career politicians. Okay. See, you know, we blame this, the Democratic Party of Wisconsin, because they don't put out that stupid press release that says Ron Johnson voted for kids to drink lead. Then we don't get off on that tangent. I do have this story. I have another story in my left hand. Now it's in my right hand. I have this other story that when I saw the headline today, I went, wait, what? Come again? We will get into that. I promise. I'm going to tell you that story at uh, 107. We'll do it right after the news. I don't, it, it's it's kind of complicated, and I don't want to get interrupted by the newscast. How much do you curse? How much do you swear? Do you think you curse or swear now more than before the pandemic? <laughs> Look, we have... We have blamed, credited, attributed, sourced a lot of societal changes, maybe even personal changes, different practices to the pandemic. We do things now differently than we did pre-pandemic. We may always do things now differently than pre-pandemic. And people are angrier, the claim is made, right? People are more angry with employees behind a counter now. Why? Why are people getting more easily angered? Why are they so hostile towards flight attendants too? Well, it's, it's the pandemic. People are stressed. And I guess there is some validity in that or the potential for that being the case, very much so. But there was a story in the Wall Street Journal. We're cursing more. Blame the pandemic. Really? Really? Stress, the erosion of boundaries between personal and professional and an exhausted slide toward casualness have created a perfect perfect storm for swearing. Really? Hmm. And there's a study. There's always a study. And basically, it's, it's based, the belief, is based on the fact that because we are and have been removed from those face-to-face situations and we are behind a computer screen, or we are behind our phone, we are more apt to allow our vocabulary to run a little blue. Because in those 
communication channels, there's an an informal nature to it that isn't the case if we're face-to-face. And so people have allowed their language to slide a little bit during the pandemic. This is the claim. And so that filter that was always there that led us to not use that word or that word and pick something a little softer when in public or when speaking to coworkers in the office or our boss or something like that, that's all eroded. That's the claim. You know what I say? <laughs> Careful. Bull! No, I won't. I will demonstrate by cursing on the air. No, I don't think so. I don't buy that. Because you and I, I always say words are important. Words have meaning. You and I make a choice every time we choose to speak. Every word that comes out of my mouth 24 hours a day is filtered. It's a fast filter, especially when you do a radio show and you can't really um and ah. You got to kind of speak at a more entertaining clip. Move it along, Warris. Move it along. Every time we use a word, it's a chosen word. It is. And whether you are sitting on your computer or you're typing on your phone or you're sitting on a Zoom call or you're typing an email or or you are indeed in person, there is a filter that we all have. And in that split second, and it's probably briefer than a split second, you choose to use a word, a phrase, a term that may or may not have a four-letter word in it. Do we curse more in society? Maybe. I don't know. But don't blame the pandemic for this one. This, you can blame the pandemic for a heck of a lot. You can attribute good and bad customs and traditions to the pandemic. If you curse more, don't blame COVID. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. <laughs> I just want to... We've had a great... Uh, well, let's see here. We've had a great six and a half minutes. We've had a great six minutes or so on the text line. Can I just say this? In the last six minutes, we, we have received more vulgar terms than I've ever seen on the text line. Well, we see our fair share of vulgar, vulgarity from time to time, but uh, for those of you who got creative with the texts in the last segment during that last commercial break, based on what we were just talking about, nicely done, well done. And there are many of you who are blaming your cursing or the cursing of loved ones on things. Don't blame it on anything other than yourself. You're all grown adults. You're all grown men and women. Don't don't put your uptick in profanity on anything other than yourself. Don't blame the pandemic. Don't blame television shows that use so much profanity that now you are more profane than you used to be. Don't blame road rage on eliciting your profanity. Don't blame politicians Somebody did actually say this is happening because our government has made everything political. No, don't do that. Profanity is one of the few things we control, right? 
Think of all the all the things that are out of our control or just on on the fringes. You choose the words that come out of your mouth. Nobody else can control what comes out of your mouth. They are your thoughts that are then translated and transformed into your words that are then cascading over your tongue and over your lips and into the ether. That's all you. It's not Yellowstone. It's not Donald Trump. And it sure as heck isn't the pandemic either. Sorry to disappoint. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Wallace. So much profanity on the text line today. So many profane words. And you can't blame anybody but yourself. You typed it. It's you. One of the big national news stories this week is the news that a pig heart was transplanted into a human being. Did you see those headlines? Is that Monday or Tuesday? A For the first time ever, they're calling the situation a pig heart transplant pioneer moment. Mm-hmm. David Bennett Sr., I don't know if you looked into the story, David David Bennett Sr., being heralded as a medical pioneer, 57-year-old man, terminal heart disease, at the University of Maryland Medical Center earlier this week, he received a genetically modified pig heart, the first-of-its-kind transplant, historic, obviously, saved its life, And basically has opened the door, right, to possibly save the lives of others. A pretty remarkable breakthrough for science. David Bennett Sr., in 1988, stabbed a man seven times, paralyzed him. The victim was in a wheelchair for 19 years, had a stroke in 2005, died in 2007, one week before his 41st birthday. Hmm? Now, do you think differently about David Bennett Sr. now? Did you know that about David Bennett Sr.? He once stabbed a man seven times, and now he's a pig heart transplant pioneer. The story that has come out, I think it was yesterday, is because Leslie Shoemaker Downey is at home, babysitting her two grandchildren, this was Monday, when a message pinged on her cell phone. Her daughter sent a link to the news article, like a lot of you maybe did when you saw it, about a 57-year-old man with a terminal heart disease, and he received this transplant. But that man, David Bennett Sr., had stabbed 
Leslie Shoemaker Downey's son back in 1988. Should David Bennett Sr. have gotten that opportunity? Huh? I'm serious. Does that make a difference to you? That's a big question. This is a it, it's a question of ethics, right? It's an ethical question at its core. Now, he served time. He was punished. His life has gone on, even while his victim eventually died, as I said, years, almost 20 years after the, the stabbing and left him paralyzed. And David Bennett Sr. has gone on, and he's obviously had his fair share of health issues. You're not getting a pig heart unless you don't have health issues. Medical ethicists argue that the criminal justice system already imposes jail time, financial restitution, or other punishments on those convicted of violent offenses. Withholding medical services is not a part of that punishment. 855-616-1620 on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is there anything... In terms of one's past, I'm not talking about health because there are cases, or I should say, there are situations where an organ transplant is not carried out because of other health risks. And you don't get the organ that you are looking for, heart or otherwise, because maybe there was substance abuse going on. There are other medical issues going on but other than that is there any reason to withhold a transplant that would potentially save one's life is that too hard of a question on a friday it's an ethical question is what it is what say you 855-616-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line 855-616-1620. More than 100,000 Americans are on the national waiting list for an organ transplant. 17 people die each day, never receiving the organ they need. In the face of such a shortage, to some it can you know, seem unconscionable to some families that those convicted of violent crimes would be given a life-saving procedure so many desperately need. But as I said, a lot of doctors don't share that view. There are no laws, if you're curious, no laws or regulations that, you know, stop someone with a criminal history from getting a transplant or even an experimental procedure like the one Bennett had. And I think there is something to point out. This is very much experimental, right? So far, so good. It's taking the heart, the pig heart, is taking to Bennett, Mr. Bennett, So there's certainly a great deal of risk in this. What do you think? Some heinous criminals out there. If they've served their time, if they are back out, or even if they're not. I got all these ifs. I got all these, well, what about this? What about that? If this, then that. But in your opinion, would there be anything that would prohibit an organ transplant recipient, a human or pig for that matter, from getting that life-saving procedure based on their prior behavior, 
criminally specifically? Or is it, nope, he or she served their time, they had their punishment, saved their life if they're next in line, if they're meant to have it. 855-616-1620. Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you're on the line, hang on. Quick break. Where do you fall on this? Because, well, it gets a little dicey. It does. The guy who got that um, experimental pig heart this week once stabbed a guy seven times. Paralyzed the man back in the late 80s. He was sentenced to 10 years in prison. He was ordered to pay like 30000 in restitution. Unfortunately, uh, the Department of Corrections couldn't say how many years of the sentence he served or when he was released because the case is so old. Um, the family of the victim says she thinks he served about five years or so. Does that matter? I'll tell you what, you read the story, it matters to the family of the man he stabbed back in 88, that's for sure. Doesn't sit well with them, but what say you? Jill is in New Berlin. Hi, Jill. Good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon, Steve. Yeah, um... My opinion on the whole thing is is kind of like um, they said in the article I read, he didn't qualify to be on the normal mm-hmm. transplant list because he was non-compliant with his doctors, didn't go to his appointments, didn't take his meds, you know, didn't do as told. And when you're that sick, you need to do exactly what the doc says. So to me, he, you know, doing the pig heart, he's kind of a guinea pig and being experimented on. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't really bother me. I mean, I you don't know if he was going to make it through the surgery, make it three days. I remember the gentleman, I believe he was a dentist, was his name Frank or something, who got the um, mechanical heart. He only lived a few days. Mm-hmm. But, you know, actually he maybe is doing some kind of good karma thing, like mm. your company, because this could help so many people if they could give people pig kidneys, pig hearts, so many so many people die on a transplant list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, also about who I won't give it to. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, you're, you're right, Jill. He, he couldn't. He couldn't get a human heart. He didn't qualify for a human heart. And so mm-hmm. they went this experimental route, and I don't know, I suppose I could check if he's okay today, if there's anything in the news, but uh, we're about less than a week out, and uh, he's still he's still alive. Um, yeah. Let me and ask you, let me I ask you a theoretical. I don't know who was number two on the list, you know. Let me ask mm-hmm. you, can I ask you a theoretical question? Or, I'm sorry, a hypothetical. Sure. A theory, hypothetical question. Hypothetical. It's a long what? week. <laughs> <laughs> we're almost to the we're almost to the finish line. Um, mm-hmm. Just would there be anything beyond medical restrictions that, if you had a say, Jill, would preclude somebody from getting an organ transplant, pig or human or yeah, otherwise? If I was queen. Is there anything? Right. If I was queen, yeah, yeah, there are. Um, Child molesters, ch- child abusers, um, rapists, anyone who, uh, you know, hurts animals, 
you know, like the commercials with the dogs shivering. I don't like people, you know, so, for innocence, any kind of, um, or what, just got just a rotten person. I suppose that's hard to call that. But okay, how would you determine that? And would it have to be somebody who has already served their time? Let's say they are. Um, they're a free man or a free woman now. They they did the crime. Mm-hmm. They did the time. Now they're out and about. Should they well, get a I, transplant? Boy, you know what? That's really hard. Yeah. I I think there are ethic bo- ethics boards in hospitals to make these kind of decisions to sit down and you know weigh it and uh, decide what to do, but. You know, for yeah, me, I don't know. Maybe you, maybe he seems repentant and has turned his life around, or you know, right. maybe we, we, I know in which China is often they the do this yeah, involuntary. It's, it, 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 it's often the case. You're absolutely right, and I, I'm I'm kind of using this guy and and this crazy backstory, quite frankly, to have uh, just the just the conversation, just to kind of pick your brains a little bit about all right, what do you do? Is there a is there a cutoff point, ethically speaking? No, the 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 crime, the action, your character is so heinous that you do not get an opportunity to have your life saved. You're right. He could die in this case, experimental. He could die. He may still die. This this thing may go south at some point here in the near future, but the opportunity to continue his life was given him. Thanks for the call. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> Gianni is in Montello. Hello, Gianni. Hey, hello, hello, hey, Scott. Hey, hey listen, I'm not I'm not familiar with the story, so I'm glad you're you're, you're talking about it today. Um, but did Mr. Bennett's name uh, appear in a lottery? I mean, did he? How? We don't know. I don't know. Maybe right. you don't know. No, it's, it's how his it's, name came. His up. name came up for the pig trans for the pig trans for the pig heart transplant um, because he started having symptoms of heart failure in October. Here's just a little backstory: <clears throat> heart failure in October on November 10th. On November 10th, he was taken uh, to the University of Maryland. As he confronted his mortality, this is according to his son, he wondered about his ability to help others by possibly donating his organs or helping to advance medicine in some way. But he was also still enjoying his life. Uh, lives in Pittsburgh, lives in a duplex, uh, blah, 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 has a dog. He told the New York Times that he, f- he float, the doctor told the New York Times he floated the option of a pig heart to Bennett in mid-December. I said, oh, we can't give you a human heart. You do not qualify. But maybe we can use one from an animal, like a pig. It's never been done before, but we think we can do it. So some of the backstory, depending on who you speak to, quite frankly, lends itself to the belief that he was maybe, as uh, Jill maybe alluded to, trying to turn his life around. Can I contribute? He, like I said, he wanted to maybe donate his organs, and in so doing and having that conversation... The topic of receiving a pig heart came up. 
Okay. Okay. Well, obviously those sentiments are, are honorable. Uh, obviously they are. I, I didn't know that, that he was not in, in, in the federal or, or, or state prison system. I didn't know right. that he was out, but you, you've clarified yeah. before that. So I, it would appear to me, Scott, that, that, that this was a fairly uh, highly experimental oh, yeah. procedure. Oh, yeah. And I think, I, I think if he wanted to, to sign documents that it, should it fail, um, unfortunately, um, should it fail that, that his organs would be donated to to others in need of, of eyes and hearts and livers and skin grafts or whatever. So I, I think it's honorable. Um, I, I just didn't know the details. Yeah, and you know, I, I wasn't familiar with the story. Right. But I hope he makes it. I, I hope he well, I hope he makes it through, and I hope that this is a groundbreaking procedure that other other people can can. You know, receive the hearts of of, of banks. I think that would be you know that would be wonderful. Look, one of thanks for the call, Johnny. Have a good weekend. One of the one of the common denominators in a bunch of the text messages that we're getting as well is the experimental variable in this, and that's why I was kind of pushing back on Jill and and playing the hypothetical game. If this story is a story of Mr. Bennett getting a human heart, which is not nearly as experimental as a pig heart. I mean, the that path of, you know, transplant procedures is well chronicled, well documented, and there's clearly evidence and, and plenty of medical history to say that it can very well work. There's a risk to everything, but it, it, it good chance it works. If it's not an experiment... I think a lot of people feel completely differently on this. I think the fact, based on some of the responses and my own gut, the experimental variable in this changes the story immensely. He could still very much die. And maybe he is doing, he's doing good regardless of how long he lives with this procedure being done on him. But if it was a human heart, I think people feel differently. I do. I think that's, that's where you draw the line in this one. Scott Warrison for Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Stick around. Coming up after uh, the news at 2 o'clock. I know Jeff oftentimes in the 2 o'clock hour on Fridays enjoys uh, pop, pop culture corner. Um, I just have some silliness. I had an observation earlier today that <laughs> caught me off guard. And probably discuss it. It involves a colleague. I don't know if I'm going to use the colleague's name or not. Do it. <laughs> no. No. Also, also, I have a great Scott at, uh, we'll do that about 2.35. I have a great Scott that, let me just say this. If there was ever something, for those of you who are still holding out on getting vaccinated. If there was ever something that is going to convince you to get vaccinated, I think I have it. If Fauci couldn't do it, if any number of uh, politicians or experts couldn't do it, I think I have something. I think, which is pretty remarkable to say. I mean, if this is, if this is what it's going to take to turn the tide of Omicron and Deltacron and the Decepticons and all the other battles that are going on in Michael Bay's world. If they're going to come for us, I think I have something that's going to get you vaccinated. I do. Did you see today, 
is an anniversary. Uh, today is the anniversary of, let me make sure I get the date right, of, yeah, January 14th, the first ever Simpsons. The first ever Simpsons. Uh, the cartoon, of course, as opposed to the um, the murderer. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, it was on this date, January 14th, 1990. 1990. So Bart and Lisa and Homer... And Maggie, and Marge, they are 32 years old. 32 years old today. Wow. That's pretty remarkable. You know what I remember about, because that, those years, those 1990, those first couple years, because I was in grade school at that time. I remember my grade school, we were not allowed to have Simpsons stuff. Um, whether it was like t-shirts or... Lunchbox, Bart Simpson lunchbox. They banned that because of things like eat my shorts, man. <laughs> I remember that. I vividly remember. I think I had a, did I have a Simpsons shirt? Like a Bart Simpson shirt? And at some point at school, the edict came down that we were not allowed to wear any Simpsons apparel. I think, yeah, I think it was a shirt. Because I remember, I think I just had to wear it during summer vacation then. Yeah. There was there was pushback, as I recall, early year Simpsons, for some of the language that was being used. Don't have a cow, man. What? <laughs> There's a sim- simpler time, you guys, simpler time. There was pushback. I bet there are some of you out there that are, Maybe grandparents now, but you were, what, young parents then or parents then? And you, who, what, look at this cartoon, and it's crude, and it's crass, and it's gross, and it's, I'm not going to have my kid walking around wearing that shirt or carrying that lunchbox or, or let alone watch the show, watch the cartoon. And now you think back <laughs> and... It wasn't that bad at all. But but I think there were other cartoons that followed that same path, right? You had the um, oh, Beavis and Butthead. Beavis and Butthead were very, what would you say, cutting edge for their day. And now in hindsight, it's probably like, no big deal. Who cares? Who cares? Family Guy. Like, The Simpsons launched... The idea of a cartoon geared for adults. Would that be an accurate way of describing it? Which originally, the show was around Bart. And then as the years and now decades have rolled by, Homer is like the main character now. Homer's the main character of the of, of the cartoon. But it was a cartoon, I said, geared for adults, or maybe I should say geared for kids and adults because there is the opportunity to watch these things. And I still do it now. Not Simpsons so much. I'm more of a family guy guy. And you watch this. And if you're young and you don't get some of the jokes, you laugh. You enjoy it because there are things you do understand and you laugh at. And then if you're an adult, you watch and you laugh at, Another set of jokes at a 
I don't know, subliminal level, but a certain level that is, well, geared just for the moms and dads in the room, the older crowd. Like, that's what Family Guy does, although they've really gone more adult, I think, now. But Simpsons was the first. There wasn't anything like it. I don't mean cartoons. Cartoons were around for long, 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 long before that. But in terms of the crudeness, the crassness of the day, there was nothing like it. Wait a minute. You're telling me that there's an animated show that's telling jokes and the kid talks back to his teacher? I'm trying to think of other phrases. Can you Google quickly? Like Simpsons phrases. All I can think of is don't have a cow, man. Eat my shorts. Other people are, are texting in. Me too, somebody says. That and Beavis and Butthead both were banned at my grade school. Somebody else said Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy. Ren and Stimpy were were an animated series that was more, what would you say, uh, gross than crass. It was, they were, but, but, but it appealed to a certain... You know, segment of the population. So you want your slice of irony for the day? Yes. I can't look up anything on our work what? system with Simpsons in it. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. We have these filters on our work computers that prevent us from looking up things. And what's funny is that it will block some of the most benign searches. And yet I could type, I don't know, goat rectum, and it would probably give me every single result that's out there on the internet well that's a shame you got to use your phone then you just use your phone like everything else underachiever and proud of it another texter good one that was a good one what a load of crappy crap crap what do you mean there's a cartoon character that uses the word crap the more you think about it the more i think about it the simpsons was groundbreaking in ways that we never knew 32 years ago today. Happy birthday, Bart. On the right day, Could be winter, could be summer, could be spring, could be fall. But on the very right day, I will look up. And if the clouds are in just the right position, I will declare it a Simpson Sky Day. I'm serious. That opening scene, the very opening scene, the Simpsons, where the words appear through the clouds parting in a sunny sky every once in a while there's a few days a year where if you look up in the sky the cloud placement it looks like a simpson sky and the words the simpsons are about to emerge from behind a cloud yeah it happens okay i found a list here um listen to this crude crass vulgar terminology from a little cartoon boy Bam Bam and Pebbles never talked like this on the on the uh, Flintstones. No. Eat my shorts. Don't have a cow, man. I carumba. I'm Bart Simpson. Who the hell are you? I think that was big because you had a little boy saying hell. Cowabunga. Mm. I didn't do it. Aw, oh, man. And 
and I couldn't, I couldn't have, uh, I couldn't have my lunchbox at school because the lunchbox said, I caramba. I don't know. Simpler time, folks. Simpler time. It's just the reality of it. Hmm. Hmm. And it's still going strong. You know, Conan O'Brien was a writer on The Simpsons. Did you know that? Yeah. Conan O'Brien was on... He worked at Saturday Night Live. He was a writer for Saturday Night Live. And then he was a writer for The Simpsons, like in the first year, year or two of the show. Um, now, 262 Texter says, we are talking cartoons here. If you're just joining us on the Wagner List show, you think when Jeff talks Simpsons, I think he would. I think you're wrong. I think he would. Uh, 262 Texter says, the Rocky and Bullwinkle show was similar in having political humor for adults and fun humor for kids. Okay, that's not bad. I guess I didn't I didn't think of that one. I did not consider them or 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 that cartoon per se as one that kind of hit both notes. You see more of that now than you don't. I mean, although Speaking of cartoon, all right, now we're sorry. I was not anticipating this. You know what? This this show is becoming a bit of a tangent. We're going off down, you know, off the beaten path tonight, uh, today, and, and and that's okay. Sometimes that's good. Speaking of cartoons, <laughs> the um, we have the first YouTube video. To reach 10 billion views. 10 billion views. 10 billion views! No video in the history of YouTube. There's millions, there's hundreds of millions, but there have yet to be billions of views. But I have it. I have it. Billion, 10 billion. It started in 2016. It's catchy. It's Baby Shark. Oh, yeah. Come on, Greg, do it. Yeah. Baby Shark has become the first video to reach 10 billion views on YouTube. No one is likely to catch it anytime soon. The Despacito video, which Baby Shark overtook as the most popular video in November 2020, has managed just 7.7 billion. So they're like 2.3 billion views away. Pink Fong, right? Ping Fong was the is the creator of this, as they call the so ca- oh it stopped shoot so catchy it hurts children song. Ten billion views. Should we play it one more time for people? No, we won't. I'll I'll stop. I promise. That's a lot of views. Parents just set that thing up and the kids watch and that's you know what else? That's become the babysitter for a lot of families out there as well. Just put on Baby Shark and let the kids enjoy it. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. (laughs) 
Thanks to the uh, texter from the 414 who says, I'm listening to you on Alexa, and my five-year-old daughter is in the other room. She just shouted to turn it off. Apparently, it even annoys the kids. And I don't think she's talking about, she's talking about the show. Because there's plenty, plenty, plenty of people going, Wagner's out, Warris is in, turn it off! Turn it off! It annoys me! He annoys me! Eh. But we, we're talking about Baby Shark. Five-year-olds have turned on Baby Shark. The five-year-olds are the... That's the sweet spot of the demo for Baby Shark. No? Okay. I was wrong. And uh, appreciate a text from a 920. says, Scott, I'm 23 years old. We were talking about the Simpsons and that vulgar, vulgar Bart Simpson. Circa 1990, 91, 92, 93, thereabouts. Scott, I'm 23 and all I can say is, wow, eat my shorts. One of Bart's early popular phrases is nothing compared to the garbage my generation says to teachers. The following generations are even worse. You know whose fault it is? The Simpsons. That's another conversation. Used to blame. Oh, that was the downfall of society. I know. I know you're listening out there right now. There's some of you going, Scott. He's making fun and light of the Simpsons. But if you look at the trajectory of mankind. Our society began to decline and denigrate when Bart Simpson took to the air 32 years ago. Don't celebrate the Simpsons. Don't tip your cap to the groundbreaking entertainment value they brought television. They contributed to the downfall of society. What did we talk about earlier? Blame. (laughs) Placing blame on things other than yourself. All right. Two o'clock hour. It's Friday. We're going to get silly. Not that the last 20 minutes of this show has been buttoned up serious conversation, but I witnessed something out of a colleague just a couple of years ago that I've never seen before. I've never seen before. I've never heard before. I didn't know how to handle it. I felt awkward in its presence as it was happening. I've never done it. I asked Greg Pancake Hill, our producer, have you done it? He goes, yeah, I've done it. What? We'll get into that. And maybe, maybe one of the most impactful great Scots I've ever done. Two o'clock hour of the Wagnerless Show on a Friday is next. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Welcome to the Friday Wagnerless edition of the show. Final hour. We have done a lot. We've covered a lot. Man, a little bit of everything. Some head-scratching stories. And here we find ourselves in the final hour on a Friday, which means we get silly, which means we get, uh, well, we get uh, fun, we get frivolous. Let me just clean up a, a thing from the last hour. I got inundated with texts during the newscast saying, how could you spend the couple of minutes talking about the impact of The Simpsons and that idea of doing a cartoon, which kids like at a certain level, but also having adult humor which leads to grown-ups watching cartoons. How could you mention The Simpsons and Family Guy and Ren and Stimpy and all these, and you haven't, and you didn't mention South Park? That's, that is fair. That is fair. Yeah, South Park came along and 
blew everybody out of the water. You know what, South Park, it has amazed me. I know some really, really, how would I describe them? Very, um, I gotta be careful here. <laughs> Let me just put it this way. There are some people that I know that I would have never guessed are South Park watchers. There are some people that I know that are South Park fans, and I never knew it. I would have never guessed it. That's a better way of putting it than describing them and then doubling back. But yeah, more than once I've thought or I've said, you watch South Park? Get out of here. Really? But you're fill in the blank. I I, I have it. I tried... I think it's the animation style, and I don't know what that is called. It just doesn't appeal to me. I don't know. What is it called? Not claymation. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. No, I don't know what it's called, but they use construction paper, and it used to be like stop motion where they would take stop the picture, motion. but right. now it's all computers. It's, they don't do it like that it's anymore. It's all. The computers are running everything. Ugh. All right. I'm going to tell you a story. Let's see, I want to take you back to about 11.40 this morning. 11.40 this morning. This show starts at noon, of course. And one of the important things that a radio host does before they saddle up and settle in to a three or sometimes three and a half hour show, you need to use the facility. It's smart to use the facility. Not that you can't use the restroom during a break. It happens all the time. But I like to um, kind of prepare myself mentally, physically for the show so I don't have to run to the restroom. So I was heading into the uh, bathroom here at Radio City. I did what I had to do. Then I washed my hands, which is very important. Greg, I know you don't believe me, but I've told you time and time again, wash your hands when you go to the bathroom. And I did. And then I hear behind me the shuffle of feet. And I, oh, somebody's coming. It's fine, whatever. Door opens, and it's a colleague of ours who at this point will remain nameless. I don't, I don't say, I won't say his name. Door opens, and he's talking. He's speaking. And I thought he was speaking to me for a second, except for two factors that led me to think he's not talking to me. Well, I'm the only one in the bathroom. I'm washing my hands at this time. I think I was in the uh, lathering stage. First of all, he was speaking Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. Five years of German. Yeah, baby. I'm surprised every time I need to use it, too. No, I'm surprised every time I need to use it. I don't speak Spanish, so I go, well, he's not talking to me. Who's he Who's he talking to? Then, the way our bathroom is set up, you have the two sinks, then there's a uh, little wall, and then the urinals are there. And my colleague sidles up to the urinal, and out of the corner of my eye, I look up, because that's what you do, you look up. And he has 
AirPods in his ears. He is carrying on a phone conversation while standing at the urinal. I have never seen that before. I have never done that before. And now I am in an awkward position. Do I acknowledge him? Do I say, hey, you're talking out loud like I am to all of you right now, albeit speaking Spanish, but you're talking, you're having a phone conversation with somebody while you're doing your thing. While you're going to the bathroom, while you're standing, I should make sure it's standing at the urinal. He wasn't going there. He was going there. I have never done that in my life. It, my mind has been blown. And I walked out of there going, wait a minute, what? What did I just see? I would never risk having a phone conversation with somebody in the bathroom, let alone while I'm going to the bathroom, you know why? Do you want to guess why? Do you know? You want? You want to, Greg? You want? You want to guess the, my number one concern with doing that would be them hearing you. Yes, I don't mean hearing my voice. I mean they would hear the sounds associated with the activity for which I am in the bathroom. And if you're on the other end of the phone, are you not? Go- what? What is that? Are you? Are you peeing right now? I think I hear urine. No, you don't do that. I have never done that ever in my life. (laughs) Never in my life have I ever done that. So then I come out and I see you, Greg Hill, and I said, so-and-so, just in the bathroom, AirPods in, talking to someone on the phone. Have you ever done that? And you say, Yep. Oh, come on. <laughs> Why? Exactly. Exactly. Dick from Grafton. Scott, you certainly don't get out much and have led an awfully sheltered life. This no, is why? <laughs> no, 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 Dick. No, no. You're wrong. That has nothing to do with my getting out more often or leading a sheltered life. That has nothing to do with it. I have never gone to the bathroom and while doing what I was doing, speak to someone on the telephone. I am telling you, I have never done so. My hand is, uh, I promise you, I've never done that and I never will. Never. And yet, suddenly, this apparently is a commonplace activity. This is like an everyday thing for Greg Hill or for my other colleague here at the workplace. Unbelievable. 855-616-1620. Accident mortgage talk and text line. Am I alone here? Can somebody please say, Scott, you are right to be outraged. You are right to be incredulous as to what has occurred in the hallowed restroom of Radio City, where Gordon Hinckley once did his business, where Jonathan Green once did his business. Jim Irwin. This is... I've never seen it. I've never done it. I had no idea that this happens. But it's commonplace. You know what it is? It's gutsy is what it is. I mean, you run the risk, folks. 262, I've witnessed this. In in my opinion, it's crazy behavior in public bathrooms all over the U.S. for the last 20 years. (laughs) Including... 
including salespeople talking to clients or prospective clients, while even in the stalls, while frequent flushing and hand dryer sounds abound from others. Well, that's the other thing. What if there was somebody, what if there, what if there's somebody in a stall and there's noises coming out of there and you're on the phone in the bathroom? You are taking a mighty risk, my friends. 855-616-1620. You have to observe life, folks, because there are stuff, there are happenings all around you that will blow your mind. Anybody with me on this one? We'll continue just a moment on WTMJ. I feel better now. For a while there, when I was just anecdotally asking people in the office, I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I am clearly in the minority on this one. But I want to thank those of you on the text line who are coming to my defense. I feel better now. Uh, You're letting me know that I am very much um, with you or you are very much with me. on this one scott you're right to be outraged however it happens all the time i'm a woman and women do it as well it's disgusting oh yeah i i guess i well i've never i've never been in a ladies room before so i i guess i i wasn't going to be so presumptuous as to assume that women do it as well but i have a feeling it's more of just a when did that happen i mean what was there a point where in society we just we just went you know what even if I'm in the bathroom, I'll continue my conversation. I don't know. Uh, 920 Texter. Scott, I'm completely with you. I don't take phone calls if I'm in the restroom. In my experience, no sexism here. Women do not care. Hmm? Grew up with women, and I heard them in the restroom on the phone. I've been on the phone, and I could tell. And the women I've had over to my house, they've taken phone calls in the restroom. You are right to have concern. Scott, you're right to feel incredulous. Scott, I'm with you. I hate that. It happens to me at Quick Trip. I. <laughs> All right. Joining us now in studio is the. Is the colleague. Um, can I use your. Fir- I won't use your last name. That's fine. I will use your first name. Um, unless you, no, I won't use your last name. Um, Chris joins us from our IT department, from our engineering staff and our IT department. So if people are like, oh, is this, is this a voice that I'm used to hearing on the radio frequently and and whatnot? You're probably not going to recognize the voice. Chris. Hey, Scott. Did Greg tell you why you're here? No, I have oh, no idea. Oh, he didn't? No. Mm-mm. You didn't tell him? I said you got you two had an interaction today you that he would like him. you to talk about. I, um... <clears throat> buddy, pal. <laughs> I, uh... I told the story of what happened in our restroom <laughs> earlier today <laughs> because I said... I, I, have, I have never experienced this before <laughs> whereby... I've never had a conversation in the restroom, nor have I been in the position of being in the restroom with somebody who was speaking on the phone. And I guess you have a lot of support. There are people calling in left and right, texting in left and right. There are people who are saying, Scott, you're right to be amazed at this. Now, you had your ear pods, uh, your, your AirPods, sorry, in. 
Was there any concern that whoever you were talking to is going to, well, quite frankly, hear the sounds that come in a restroom? Actually, not at all. No? No. What do you mean, no? AirPods do a great job of blocking out a sound that's around you. Okay. And they focus a lot on your voice. So if you heard anything, it was just me washing my hands. Hmm. You're sure? Positive. You're, you're absolutely sure. Huh? That's a 90% sure. <laughs> There's 10% of you. Now, you don't have to disclose who you're speaking to. If the person on the other end of the phone would have known you were using the restroom while you were speaking to them, would that alter the course of the conversation and or dynamic of the relationship, the friendship, or whoever it was? No, of course not. It wouldn't? No, of course not. Are there certain people that you would not most certainly speak to in that environment? Yes. Okay. Like who? Give me an example. Uh, my manager, for starters. <laughs> <laughs> or definitely not in a Teams meeting. <laughs> well, yes. Anything video related. Well, remember, Teams you can also just be audio. Oh, If you oh. pick it up on your phone, oh. you so can you're just saying have audio. If you were just listening on Correct. a Teams meeting or any of these you know, group chat type things, if you were just using the audio function, you, you would not no. use... No, or I'd make sure I was on mute. Um... Hmm. Let me take a call here real quick. Uh, Chris is here uh, joining us. and he. Uh, I can't believe he did that. I've never seen that before. Dennis on the south side. Dennis, am I right to be incredulous? Or my colleague Chris, who's sitting here, was he very much just in keeping with the times? This is how we roll now. Dennis, what say you? I say both. How? Seriously, seriously. If you're right to be incredulous at this, okay, at this behavior, but on the other side of the coin, I understand it because ever since hands-free devices were were uh, invented, people have been doing this, and this that goes back quite a way. So, by the way, okay, so it's this has become a normal behavior for quite a few behavior, uh, people. The thing that gets me even more though than the, just the talking or carrying out a conversation, you be sitting in the job. And all of a sudden, you hear somebody listening to a TV show in the next stall. I mean, wait a second. Is that multitasking, or is that binging, or is that just addiction? Come on. <laughs> what do you call that? Okay, okay. I, I don't know what this says about me. Can I be honest? I don't sure. know. I, I, I don't know, Dennis and Chris. If I were to walk into a restroom, a public restroom, and somebody was in a stall watching something... Or at the urinal. I don't know. Something was that good they had to watch. I I don't know if I would be as baffled by that as somebody speaking to someone. For me, it's the possibility that the person on the other end of the line or the people on the other end of the line are going to know where you are in that very moment, one way or another. That's the thing that you're, you're walking a tightrope. Like, what if... What if your your AirPod is is a little bit ajar or or the mic is is unmuted accidentally? Like you're you're you take a risk. Yeah, that's for sure. But I look at it this way: remember the days where there were magazines in the stalls? Yeah, and you could read. Yeah, Think about the germs that stayed on those no, magazines. No, no, look. But then look. now you have your phone and you take it with you. <laughs> And you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> let me t- look. Let me. That, don't. No, no, that is not the same. Nor is it better. Thanks for the call, Dennis. Have a good weekend, man. I appreciate you chiming. No, Chris, you do not. 
do not take magazines or books or something and and newspapers. Come on, no, that's that's those were the good old days. I remember there used to be shelves, like there yeah. many shelves where yeah. they put magazines so you could read. I never thought of the germ factor of that. Yeah. But I'm, but but still, it's the, it's the talking, it's the communication. Um, I guess what made me feel bad about it is I was speaking in Spanish, and I didn't get a opportunity to say hello and you know so i was like in my mind i was like scott's gonna think i'm so weird I didn't, oh, I'm oh so you did think it. i did mention when i was telling the story that um two things you were speaking in spanish and then you were so i knew you weren't talking to me and then you had uh your airpods in as well um but it always takes the extra minute for uh, the person around right. you to realize you have the AirPods on, right? That you're not crazy. <laughs> well, that too. yeah, okay. A nine two zero texture says, "Ask Chris, what if his AirPods fall into the urinal or toilet? Oh, they're waterproof. Just flush it and clean it out, and let's go." Wait, wait, wait. You mean like you would read? No, you wouldn't. If you're now we're now we're getting now we're getting a little dirty, but it's a Friday. It's fine. If your AirPod would have fallen in the urinal, you would have picked it up. No, flush it, wash my hands. Really, really, yeah, really. Wow, why not? Why, Mister Germs? If you're the one worried about magazine germs, but eh, hey, my AirPod fell in the urinal. Eh, I just reach, push the urinal cake aside and pick (laughs) it up, and there we go. I'll wipe it off a little bit, put it back in my ear. Wash my hands, move on. Wow. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming in, especially uh, walking in uh, blindly to the conversation that um, you didn't know we were having on the air. No. Thank you for having me on. <laughs> really? Are you really yeah. thankful for it? Never been on radio. All right. No, you're right. Is this really your first time on the no, air? No, I've never been on the air. Wow. This is the first time. First time. You <laughs> talked about <laughs> my phone conversation at the urinal. Okay. I guess it happens out there. It doesn't happen to me. Maybe You know what's going to happen? At some point in the not-too-distant future, I'm sure I'm going to be in a position where either I'm on the phone and have to go to the bathroom, or I'll be going to the bathroom and I'll hear the phone ring or something, and I will have to make a decision. I will be at a crossroads, and I'll say... What would Chris do? Exactly! <laughs> what would Chris do? And then I'll have to make a decision. Good stuff. Thanks, pal. <laughs> Not even the sounds, but the sound of your voice echoing. Like oftentimes if you're in a place where your voice echoes, that is easily then picked up on the other end of the phone call. And how many times are you in an echoey place other than a bathroom? I don't know. These are the things that keep me up at night. (laughs) What did that, what what did Dick from Grafton say? Scott, you lead a sheltered life. Where did he, where was he? That has nothing to do with being sheltered. I'm not saying I'm not sheltered, but that has nothing to do with sheltered life. All right. We will be in the home stretch of the Wagnerless show. And boy, do I have a great Scott story for you. Mm-hmm. This could change the entire trajectory of the pandemic. I'm serious. And I am Scott Warris. In a mere two minutes, I am going to share with you a piece of audio that may change your opinion if you still refuse to get the COVID vaccination.
I think I may have stumbled upon something that could finally do what so many have been unable to do, and that's convince people to get the vaccine. Yeah, it's that powerful. It'll be a Friday Wagnerless Show edition of Great Scott. Scott Morris in for Jeff Wagner. I'll be with you on Monday as well. So be sure to uh, make note of that. Jeff will be back from his uh, little uh, vacation, little trip here, little little respite for Wagner on Tuesday. Okay. There have been a lot of effort, a lot of um, maneuvers. There have been all kinds of ways of trying to get people to get vaccinated. Because there are still people out there who aren't, believe it or not. I think I may have found a way to convince them once and for all. This is going to be a special edition of... Great Scott! This is powerful stuff. This is very powerful. I'm not going to recite the audio. I'm going to play the audio for you. Because I can't do it justice. I take you... To Dallas City Hall, Dallas, Texas, earlier this week, as common councils do, they have open mic, open mic night, but open mic sessions where citizens can step up and voice a complaint, a concern, address some issue of the day. And in Dallas, there's a young man named Alex Stein. Alex Stein... I guess, is a frequent speaker at Dallas Common Council meetings. I always think every community has that person who's always at the Common Council meetings, is always speaking when it's an open forum type situation. But Alex Stein stepped up to the microphone earlier this week wearing blue scrubs. He's not a doctor. He's not a nurse. He doesn't work in the profession. But... He stepped up to the mic in an effort while wearing scrubs to try and convince his fellow Texans, his fellow Dallas residents to get the vaccination. You be the judge as to how effective his little speech was. I think it will leave a mark. Here we go. My name's Alex Stein. I'm here today because we got to vaccinate our children you know we really don't have enough vaccines like they're not mandatory and that's the problem we got to mandate these vaccines so i've figured a way where i think we can make it i don't know like i guess more hip i wanted what i want to say is we got to vaccinate our kids we have to vaccinate them fast and early but of course my phone's not playing but i had a song that i wanted to do so his phone I'll just interject here. His phone was going to play a little a little music. His phone stops working, so he has to improvise. And of course, it never works when when you're trying to make it work, but I guess we'll just have to we'll just have to freestyle it. Would the real Dr. Fauci please stand up? 
Please stand up. Please stand up. Vaccinate your mom. Vaccinate your dad. Vaccinate the happy. Vaccinate the sad. Vaccinate your babies. Vaccinate them. Even if they got rabies. Vaccinate my life. Vaccinate my wife. Vaccinate your DNA. Vaccine created by the CIA. Vaccinate your body. Vaccinate me at the party. Vaccination freak. Vaccination frequently. I want the vaccine in my life. I want the vaccine for my wife. I want to vaccinate you all day long. Vaccinate you while I wear my thong. Vaccinate me. Vaccinate who? Vaccinate she. Vaccinate her. Vaccinate them. Vaccinate my friend. I want to vaccinate to the end. Vaccinate me pure L. I love you. What can I say? DNA. I love you. I got the pure L feeling pure. So clean. Got the lights off because I'm calling Paul. Do you got to clean the mic? You got to vaccinate. Freestyling. You're going to get Corona from Mona. Don't vaccinate. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. You got to vaccinate in the Lone Star State. Vaccination is so great. Vaccinate me all day long. Vaccinate your dad and mom. Vaccinate my body. Vaccinate me. At the party, a vaccine dream. I love the vaccine all day long. I want to vaccinate your mom. I want to stick it in your arm. Oh, my, where are you? I want to vaccinate you, but you can't hear my song. Vaccinate me in my thong. Vaccination, right or wrong. Dr. Fauci, give me that ouchie. I want it in my body. Vaccinate me to go to the party. Oh, Mara's back. Vaccinate me white or black. Vaccinate you. Vaccinate who? Vaccinate you all day long. Vaccinate your dad and mom. Vaccinate me in my thong. Vaccinate the mayor. I am a vaccination player. What can I say? Ya? I'm the real round sayer. Prime time. Nine and nine. On the ground all the time. I blow your mind. I spit the rhyme. I commit the crime. I'm always on time because I'm nine and nine. Alex, and I grind a shot and I blow your mind. One more time. Vaccinate your mind. Vaccinate your body. Vaccinate your life if your vaccination party. I love y'all. Peace. Your time is up. <laughs> if that does not convince people to get vaccinated, I don't know. I don't know if anything ever will. That is the vaccination rap. His name is Alex Stein. And you're welcome. A Friday Wagnerless edition of Great Scott. I gotta say, it is really difficult. It is really difficult for those of us in this position at WTMJ to annoy, infuriate, entertain, and elicit laughter all in one felt swoop. But I was able to accomplish that by playing that. I got text messages that include, what a joke, another reason not to get this useless vaccination, except they, they spelled it vacation. What a joke, another reason not to get this useless vacation. Double down. Yeah. <laughs> and somebody else, Dr. Fauci, give me that ouchie. That's my favorite line. <laughs> people love it, people hate it. It's hard. I feel, you know, this is how I feel when I'm an umpire. I've umpired for, I don't know, 24, 25 years, something like that. 
They always say, officiating, you're doing it right if everybody hates you or everybody loves you. If everybody, you know, if everybody's mad, if everybody's yelling at you, you've hit the right chord. You've done your job. That's how I feel right here. Everybody doesn't like it. People like it. Hit to all fields with that one. You know what? If you don't like that, then you can simply, simply resort to the Morgan Freeman philosophy. Go get the freaking shot. It's just, but Morgan Freeman is, you know, a classically trained actor, an award-winning thespian. He's able to kind of narrow it all down in what was otherwise a two-and-a-half-minute freestyle rap. I don't know. Yes, I know. He is a, I don't know if, he, uh, if he's a, a, I think he has a YouTube page, so I recognize that people are trying to, or he's trying to get hits and clicks and things like that and views and all that stuff. I recognize that that is... Clearly part of the... That's where we are, though, right now. You realize, though, like, that's where, as we approach the two-year mark, March 11th is where I mark it, as we approach the two-year mark of the pandemic, that's where we are, playing stuff like that. Guys showing up to common council meetings like that and acting like that. And whatever it takes, folks, whatever it takes. All right, we'll take our last break. We'll come back. We'll see what John Mercurin, Wisconsin's Afternoon News, has for a Friday show next on WTMJ. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios. This is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Wrapping things up on a Wagnerless edition of a Friday show. As I said before, Jeff will be back on Tuesday. Um, I appreciate all of you for calling, emailing, texting. Most of all, whether you tuned in or logged on, you listened, you found me here on this Friday. Find me again on Monday. I'll be in for Jeff again on Monday afternoon from 12 until 3. Before I bring in John for a preview of the uh, Wisconsin Afternoon News Show, I'm going to do something right now that I do at the end of every WTMJ Nights. I don't know if he's ready for it, but we're going to see. I will turn literally and figuratively to producer Greg Pancake Hill and ask for the syrup of the day. Thankfully, I have a recommendation mm. for Stephen Hartford. I like this choice. Applewood smoked bacon syrup today. Woo! All right. You had an answer. I thought I'd catch you flat foot. Nope. Wisconsin's Afternoon News is coming up in just a few minutes. John Mercure joins us. Hello, John. I kind of like that idea. Maybe we could do like a cereal of the day. (laughs) That would be, uh, well, I know yours. That would be Cinnamon Toast Crunch every day and twice (laughs) on Sunday. Hey, have you tried like the, uh, there's a family of cereals now with Cinnamon Toast Crunch. There's a chocolatey one. There's a churros one. There's all kinds. I have tried the churros, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think I introduced you to the churros cinnamon toast crunch. I I brought you a box last you year, did, remember? You gave me, that was the best thing I got all year. During that terrible COVID year, my friend Scott Wars gave me a box of the churros cinnamon toast crunch. It was absolutely wow. fantastic. You did have a bad year. That was your best good stuff. Of the whole. And the milk, really good. The milk is really good mm. with that. You are on record hey, as up. having, real quick, you are on record, John, as having polished off an entire box like one weekend when Michelle was gone. Oh, yeah. My daughter's in town from Texas, and we had lunch today, and we had cereal for lunch. You're a great dad. You're a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> what you got yeah, on the show? What have, you got on the show? I let her have the Cinnamon Toast Crunch. That's the kind of dad I am. <laughs> good hey, man. Scott, coming up, we got a bunch of different things on the show today. Utah is telling people to stop taking COVID tests even if they have symptoms. 
We'll tell you what that's all about. It's a very, very interesting story. It's much different than things we've heard anywhere else during the pandemic. Utah telling people they need to stop testing. This comes on the same day that the White House has announced a website where you can order free COVID test kits, and they say you'll be able to order, I think it's up to four per household. So why in Utah are they telling people, even if you're symptomatic, not to test, and could that spread to other states? We'll dive into that story coming up this afternoon. A horrific story with new information, that Burger King shooting that took place. This is just crazy. You might have been hearing about it in the news throughout the day. Now it ends up that the 16-year-old girl that was shot and killed at the Burger King on Capitol may have been involved herself in a botched robbery attempt that led to her death. I've got the criminal complaint right here in front of me. I'm going to read through some of that criminal complaint. It's tough to hear. It's fascinating detail, and it tells a lot about what's going on in our city, the state of things in our great city. So we'll share that with you coming up this afternoon. Prince Andrew is stripped of his titles. What does that mean? Packers Insiders today, one of the really bright guys. I love this guy because of the relationships that he has with the team. Jason Wilde will be with us coming up during the 3 o'clock hour to dive through that. Travel Wisconsin, some cool winter things you can do. And at 4.50, I've been waiting all day for this conversation Kevin and Olivia Harlan. This is going to be so cool. Kevin Harlan, big-time announcer. Olivia Harlan, who's married to former Badger Sam Decker, also a broadcaster. And they are both the son and the granddaughter of Bob Harlan, the legendary Packers president. This is going to be cool. So Kevin and Olivia Harlan join us together coming up at 4.50 this afternoon. Plus, a big new restaurant complex opens in Milwaukee. We've got the details as you head into your weekend. It's Wisconsin's Afternoon News on a Friday, and we roll on after this short break on WTMJ. Hit the road, Scott. Don't you come back no more, no more, no more, no more. Hit the road, Scott. And don't you come back no more. Go home. Go home. So, have a good life. We will see you soon. Bing, that's the end of that. Bye. Vaccinate your mind. Vaccinate your body. Vaccinate your life. Leave your vaccination party. I love y'all. Peace. Your time is up.